You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. In this podcast, we will be diving into the series, The Bait of Satan with Pastor Robert. I was going to recap a little bit, but I don't think I'm going to if we can get there. Uh, go, go to YouTube and, and, and get caught up on that. I think it'd be great. If people still got their hands up, so we're going to wait till somebody gets there. I know over here, clear over here, two or three over four or five. Maybe I don't have enough. Wow. So uh, many people, uh, not many, but several texted me uh, earlier today and said they were staying home. Uh, a couple families starting to get runny noses and, and stopped up and just didn't want to risk being out and getting somebody else sick. I, was, I see one of my friends here tonight. He told me uh, leaving last Sunday evening, he said, I've been in church, I think he said 50 years and never been to church twice in the same day. And uh, so... But uh, he's back again tonight. That's a good thing, right? Amen. Amen. Anybody get ticked off this week? I got both hands. I got, it, I got it twice this week. And usually I don't get it. But, man, I, I got mad twice this week. I, now, I didn't let it out. But I, I kept it in. But I, I think I, I, I took the bait. Any, anybody take the bait? Anybody get mad this week more than once like me? Uh, again, I didn't, I didn't let it out. But I got my feelings hurt. And uh, so, but I'm a big boy, right? And I, I got over it. So um, let's, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Pastor Kerry ordered some more books. How many needs a book? Raise your hand. I guess that would be everyone that wasn't here last week. Um, we ordered 20 more books, I believe, and we just could not get them here in time. Uh, so we should have them for you by next week. Again, that book is just basically to be used as a devotional. Um, and uh, someone mentioned to me tonight, they kept looking for the video that it spoke about. And we, we don't have that video. It's more of a, just a devotional. So tonight, uh, we're going to be speaking about massive, massive offense. So uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 10 through 13. Uh, before we go there, I keep getting thoughts in my mind. Um, this Bible study is not for your neighbor. While I'm speaking about being offended, don't be sitting there thinking, yeah, go ahead, unload on them, Pastor. This is for me, it's for John, it's for Mona, right on around the room, it's for all of us. And if you want to change and you want to be equipped, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as I've asked him to speak to me. Because if you're just coming every night and after this series is over, we're in the same shape we was before, Dave, we should have just went and ate pizza somewhere. I ain't got a problem with pizza, but we can eat it plus after we get some help from the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 10 through 13, and then shall many, somebody say many, many. be offended now, I want you to realize what Jesus said right there. He said, and then, so we're going to learn what that then, what he was speaking about. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
Amen. Now, one of the things that I heard this week was that people enjoyed this because of the participation. And like I said last week, we've got three people with microphones uh, throughout the sanctuary. So when you have that opportunity to speak, lift your hand. We'll get somebody to you. Uh, and then don't forget to give it back. So in other words, don't talk for 20 minutes. Get right in there and say what God would have you to say. Um, in this, let me go back to verse 10. And then shall many be offended. Many. Somebody raise your hand if you know who many is. Rob, go ahead. I'm one of many. You're one of many. All right, that's a good answer, but that's probably not the answer I'm looking for. All right, somebody else. Know who's many. Who's many. All right, we're going to learn that here in a little while. In this chapter, Jesus, what is he, what sign is he giving us? Can he, does anybody know what the sign is that he is giving us in this scripture? The what? Who said that? That's right. He's giving us a sign. He's identifying a season. Now that doesn't, none of us can tell the day nor the hour because the son don't even know, but the father does, okay? So in this chapter of Matthew, Jesus is giving us the signs of the end of the age. And most people I believe, agree that we're in the season of his return. The Lord could come at any time. I believe we're in that season. I believe there is more years behind in this world than there is ahead. Does anybody agree with that? Go ahead, give God a hand clap of praise. So notice one of the signs of his pending return. In verse 10, and then shall many be offended. Many. Are we living in a time where many are offended? I, I've never seen it like, man. Everybody's a victim. Everybody is a I shouldn't say that. That's not right. That's wrong. Everybody's not offended. Everybody, Robert, that was, that was not right. Everybody's not offended, but there are many is what his word. Why would I say everybody when Jesus knows all about it and he said many? So that wasn't real smart. And don't say amen, Bruce. I knew he was going to. He had his, look at that. So <laughs> who are the, the offended or uh, who, who are the offended? Somebody tell me. Anybody know? Raise your hand. All right. Are they the Christians? Or is the Lord just speaking about society in general? Anybody want to share? Anybody got to take a wild stab, take a guess? So who said you will? Okay, hold on a second. We're going to get you a microphone. Somebody over there? Come on, Robbie, man. Let's go, buddy. Pick him up. He got a bad knee. We'll get you a skateboard. <laughs> Two of them. Go ahead. I think in the, in the context of the text, it's referring to the believers mm -hmm. um, that are being offended. So it's the people that are offended with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, That's that right. are turning. Amen. Amen. In case I can't make it next Sunday, would you like to teach the class? All right. All right. Hey, let's thank her for that, all right? 
We find the answer as we continue to read in verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The love. Somebody say the love. So the Greek word for love in this verse is agape. There are several Greek words for love in the New Testament. But the two most common, one is agape. Does anybody know the second one? Excuse me? Mm. Yes. Philio. I struggled with that, making, wanted to make sure, and I called a couple people, and then Randy Efall sent me uh, on video, uh, and there's different pronunciations, a couple different ones. So, uh, philio, uh, philia, uh, but let's go with philio, okay, since Pastor Rita said, Pastor Rita said it's good enough for me. So, philio defines a love found among friends. It is an affectionate love that is conditional. John, stand up for a second. I want to give an illustration of what filio love is. All right? What am I doing, John? Give me a little back rub. Uh, no, that's a scratch. It's not a rub, John. This, sit down, John. Sit down. Mike, stand up here. Mike, what am I doing right here? Scratching my back. Okay, Mike. Now... If I scratch your back, yeah, that's right. That is filio love. <laughs> now people are going to leave and say, my pastor is a masseuse. <laughs> Come back and do the other side. Make an appointment. Filio defines a love found among friends. It's an affectionate love that is Conditional. And that thought just came to my mind today to give that illustration. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. I'll do something for you if you do something for me. Is that not probably a large percentage of the love in, in our world today? I'll do something for you if you do something for me. Now, on the other hand, agape is the love of God that sheds abroad in the hearts of his children. It's the same love that Jesus freely gives to you and I. So the agape love, what kind of love is that? Does anybody know? Unconditional. It didn't matter what I did, my mom loved me. You hear me? My dad was ready to kill me. But my mom loved me. It's an unconditional love. It is a love that it doesn't have any boundaries. It, 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 even when it hurts, you still love. And that is the kind of love that God has for you and I. God knows every secret that you have, every skeleton in your closet, and he's got the agape love that he still loves me, he still loves you. It is an unconditional kind of love, and that is the kind of love that God wants you and I to have. And I can stand and say, I ain't made it yet. Anybody made it yet? You can stand. Anybody at all? We're not there yet, are we? Someone say amen. amen. It's the same love that we're talking about. So a love that is given even when rejected. 
How many's ever been rejected? I think it's one of the hardest things for me to deal with is to be rejected. I'm a people person. I love people. And when I love on somebody, try to be right and try to make things right with people and they reject me, it hurts my feelings. It does. But I have found something this week that I will be sharing with you here shortly that helped me immensely. And, and when I, the, about the moment that, that I, I discovered it and read it or, and, and, and felt it, I looked out my window and Randy Efall was doing his daily walk and I put the wind up and I hollered, come here, Randy. And, and he kind of said, let me share with you what, what I just seen and, and what I felt through God. So uh, who's the many? Uh, I want to ask that question. Who is the many? Someone say it again. The believers, all right? But Jesus is referring to not just the believer, but the believer that his agape love has grown cold. A good friend of mine, and he's not here tonight, and I'll say his name, Joey Jenkins, young businessman, very successful, and I love him dearly. And I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord several years ago, and, and man, he got right in there, and I'm proud of him. But every time he comes out of here, almost every time, I touch him right there. And I say, Joey, keep your heart soft. And that's what I'm saying to you tonight. Because it's easier when you become financially successful in a business-driven world to have a cutthroat mentality. Keep your heart soft. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? So Jesus is referring to the Christians whose agape has grown cold. Be honest with me tonight. Have you ever been in a season of life where you've grown cold? The agape love that God wants you to share with everybody around you? Have you ever got to a place where it is growing cold? Wave at me. That's what sloppy I thought. Sl Pastor Rita said that's called sloppy agape. And we got all kind of education. We're getting all kind of education tonight. Have you ever given love time and time again only to receive back hate, hurt, pain, anger, throwing right back at you? Have you ever had that happen? What did we learn last week? Who does that to us? The ones we love most. The ones we have great expectation from. Yes. You can give a demonstration. Okay. Sometimes I'm scared to follow through with this, but go ahead. My son, Xavier. Hold on. Get a microphone. Grandma was slow, but she was old. My son, Xavier, you know, uh, he was our first adopted child. Yeah. And we had him ever since he was born. 
Anything that he wanted to go to the store to see, we got it. Oh, he loved it. It just kept getting, you know, it passing by. And the other day, he, he threw a fit because I wouldn't go buy something for him. Mm -hmm. I said, I can't. Yeah. He picked up a, a hard plastic plate and threw it at me. Yeah. It busted before it got there. Well, it hit one. Right. It got there, but as a big piece came out of it, just like in that much hitting me, that wasn't enough for him. He kept on, kept on. I told him, I said, "Enough's enough. You've done really that Satan into your heart." Yeah. And he had enough bravery in him. He said, there's not a God yeah. in this place. Yeah. And he started hitting on the other kids. Yeah. And that's where I had to step. Right, right, right. Yeah. They, they hit us worse than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've all, I shouldn't say all, but um, how many's had situations with your children? Here's my motto. I brought you in this world. And I'm about to take you out of this world. <laughs> it, it don't always work that way. Um, but it is the people that we lash out at. I'm, I missed that. What was it? What scripture? That is the book of Robert in the New Testament. And you guys should know that by now. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to get sidetracked on that, on that rabbit trail because I could go down that real well. Um, so you've given love time and time again, and, and they just keep hurting you. I, I will say this. Let me, let me visit that. Um, and I don't mean to um, point you out. But when you continually from this age up give a child everything a child wants, you have taken the bait. One of the greatest things a child can learn, no, no, no. So, and a lot of people struggle in that area. My daughter, Lexi, and I say, honestly, how much? And the very moment I say no, we go from here. I said, wow, didn't take much to suck the air out of you, did it? But I'm telling you, some of the greatest lessons that I've learned is when mom and dad told me no. So let's look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. For he that soweth... Let, let me go back. I'm going to revisit that some more. Here's what I hear. And this ain't... Uh, it's, it's not with the bait of Satan, but I just feel like we need to visit it. Well, I just want my child to have it better than I had it. 
What is wrong with the way we had it? If you think about it, we were taught honor, we were taught respect, we were disciplined, we were taught how to work, and in America today, that is something that's been left out of the family core, and it's to have it better than what we had it is not about dollars and cents. It's about raising up a child that knows how to respect and honor and work people. Nothing is easy in this world. And if we constantly want to pick them up while they're falling down, all we've done is take the bait. Now, I think I can move on. I think I can. I think I can. Galatians 6, 8, and 9. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh, flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for what? In due season we shall reap if we faint not. We need to realize that when we sow the love of God, you will reap the love of God. You may not harvest it from the field in which you sowed it. And that's what the Lord gave to me this week. And I don't remember. I might have read it in the book. I don't remember. But I had tried to sow love in an individual's life for a long time. And the very moment because of, uh, of sin that I stood up and said, mm, no more now won't even look at me or address me, and it hurt my heart. And I shared with my good friend Randy about it, and then a little bit later, God revealed that to me, that even though I keep sowing love into that field does not mean I'm going to reap love from that field. Field. And when God gave that to me, however it came, it made me realize that on Wednesday this past week was my birthday and I received over a hundred text messages wishing me a happy birthday. And when I got that revelation in my office and I looked up and I seen Randy, I couldn't wait to share just because you, and I'm preaching, am I not? And I said, I'm not going to do that. Just because you keep sowing love and they keep winging anger back at you and rejection back at you does not mean you won't reap love. You just not may, you may just not reap love from the field that you sowed it in, but just keep slinging some seed. And you will not always uh, reap what you sow in the season that you want to reap it. It may be a long time down the road. Has anybody sowed any love and all you got back was anger and hurt and rejection? Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Keep sowing it. Keep sowing it because you're going to reap it. You're going to reap it. And what I got to realize, and what you got to realize is, don't let that pain, don't, don't let that pain become personal. Because you are sowing love into that individual. And what has happened, the love has waxed cold in that individual. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. Amen? Anybody got anything to say? Anybody want to raise your hand? Want to share any experience? Leave names out. Yes. 
Alicia and I are reaping from where our parents sowed. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Somebody else. Somebody else. I've been doing most of the talking. Mary? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Linda. Boy, listen, because I'm telling you, she's a fountain of wisdom. Teachers pour and pour into kids, and sometimes they don't see anything till years later, fruit mm. from what they're pouring into. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that for all teachers generally. Yeah. Yeah, teachers sow into children and don't see any return sometimes for many, many years. Amen? Whew. Somebody else. Somebody else. All right, let's move on. In Jesus' greatest hour of need, who hurt him the most? Who hurt him the most? His closest friends. Peter denied him. Huh? Judas betrayed him. Think about it. The others ran for their life. John viewed him from afar. Who's the ones that's going to hurt you the most? We talked about it last week. But we got to keep loving them. I tell you, my mom, my brother, man, he was in trouble all the time. And I mean, he was gone for like 20 years and been in prison. And my mom had the agape love. Same, you've heard the story, same 40, 50 people in our church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, my mom got up and said, pray for my oldest son, Richard. Pray for him. Unconditional love. He would call, he'd be messed up. Mom would say, come home. Come here, come to mama. Mom was stern, but mom never turned, turned him away. And he come to know Jesus Christ radically, like an apostle Paul conversion. I mean, he'd buy a new Ford truck, he'd take Ford off the side of the truck and paint down the side Jesus. Radically. Had a, bought a new Harley, took Harley Davidson symbols off of a brand new Harley and put the three crosses on and said, Jesus loves you. Radically saved. Mom was sewing. Don't quit sewing. Don't let your heart become hard. Amen. They didn't, the ones that hurt him the most didn't even ask forgiveness, but he gave it freely. A lot of our family members we don't even talk to. People used to celebrate Thanksgiving with you or Christmas, you're offended, they're offended, everybody's offended, and you don't even get together no more. And I know I'm talking to somebody who don't have a clue who it is, but you need to make it right. You need to make it right. Jesus had faith in the Father's love. They didn't ask him forgiveness, but he had faith that he kept sowing. He had faith in the Father's love that God's going to take care of him. Amen. God's going to take care of you. Jesus said, go with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 through 47. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Wait, let me stop right there. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, why did he have to write this? And when I say he, Jesus, okay? These are the words of the Lord. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. 
and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. We need to realize, now listen to this, that the love we're giving is being given to the Spirit. And eventually, you and I will reap seeds of love. Can anyone share a situation where it was difficult, but you just kept sowing love, and now you got a testimony of how God turned it around? Is there anybody? Yes, Dave. My whole childhood, I never knew my father. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mother never allowed us to have anything to do with him. She would return his letters, address unknown, return to sender, whatever. And my mother-in-law, I met this lady here. Hold that mic up, Dave. My mother-in-law told me one day you're going to need to know your dad because his health is going to greatly enhance yours. You're going to have basically the same health he I said, no. I said, I'll be fine. I've lived all these years without him. I don't need it now. So anyhow, at 32, I was at the altar one day in the old church, and the Lord told me, he said, you hate a person that you've never laid eyes on and you don't even know. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what are you talking about? I don't hate anybody. He says, your biological dad, you can't stand him, but you've never met him. So that day, I sat down and I wrote a letter to my dad. And I filled out two job applications, and Rusty Hudson and Scotty and I, I don't know if Scotty remembers it or not, but we stood in the old youth center at our old church, and we stood on those letters, and we prayed, and Rusty asked the Lord, you let these letters and applications get to whoever you want, and the other two, don't ever let me, let Dave hear anything about them. About a month and a half later, I was supposed to be playing basketball on Tuesday night with the guys. I couldn't go that night. And I got mad because I couldn't go. And lo and behold, that was the night my phone rang. And back in those days, we had them little caller ID boxes that you hooked to your phone. And I, the phone rang, and I just happened to look over at it like that. And it said, Sammy E. Bennett, which was my dad. Yeah. And instantly, the Lord just took all that hatred from me yeah. and turned it into love. And I had about an 11 or 12-year relationship with him. And I miss him to this day. I was able to be there to help give him his last bath when, before he passed away. And I had a great, great relationship with him. But what I found ironic about it was I've lived with my mother for almost 57 years, and I don't have that relationship. But I keep pushing, and I keep pushing. I keep yeah. trying, and I keep trying. Yeah. Someday I will. If I don't, then I don't. But I've just come to the mm -hmm. understanding that this is what we have for now. And it drives me crazy sometimes. But I love my dad and I miss him. And if it wouldn't have been for God and my mother-in-law telling me that, where would I be? I'd still be hating a man at 57, almost 57 years old I never met. Yeah. Wow, what a testimony. Uh, and I heard Bishop Jake say this, and you mentioned not having a relationship with your mom that you had with your father. And he used a quart, half a gallon, or a gallon as an example. And you may want a gallon of love from your mom. And it bothers you that you have never received that. But maybe she only has a quart to give. 
You see what I'm saying? So you got to be able to take that court. The Word of God says, honor thy father and mother and your days shall be long. It doesn't say if everything went well during your life. So you honor her. And you that are sitting here tonight that may have a similar story, or maybe you're hurting some, uh, 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 holding some, some pain because of a childhood uh, relationship, I hope that analogy uh, will uh, help you tonight. Maybe you're wanting a gallon from your dad. Um, maybe you're holding it because you never got that, and maybe all he's got to give is a quart. So take what he's got to give you. And it's definitely different generation of the way the old school was raised, too. A lot of them. Not, not all of them, but a lot of them. So don't go your whole life by taking the bait that Satan placed in your heart, in your mind, thinking that your dad didn't love you or your mom or your sibling or, or, or whoever it may be. could even be your husband, your wife that you're married to now. Some marriages, uh, one spouse wants a gallon and the other one only has a quart to give. So be careful with that. Don't live and walk with that limp your whole life. I'll tell you, this is good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Hold on. We're going to get you a microphone. Okay. I'm sorry, Grace. I've seen your hand. I will get you next. I promise. We got to turn it on. Help her out, Steve. Help her turn it on. You got it? Yeah. But actually, you know, I have been divorced since like 2009. Yeah. And, um, you know, I really had to pray hard, seek God. But that verse always comes to me. Love them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them that despitefully use you. And, you know, we're friends. We're mutual. We're cordial Mm -hmm. for, you know, the kids' sake. And that's the best way to be. And also, you know, I've been striving, you know, to make a living, you know, Mm -hmm. since I've been uh, divorced. And thank God every day that God makes a way. Because people will try to anger us Mm -hmm. in the workplace they want to see what we're made of. Like when I worked at Wendy's and I cleaned the dining room, you know, I felt like I was up against the whole restaurant. Like, like they put that weight on my shoulders, but yet it wasn't teamwork. Right. And then when I tried to do more, it just seemed like they actually, you know, just watched me and just maybe even laughed. And I kept thinking, you know, thank God. And through that whole progress... I learned a lot about homelessness Mm -hmm. because when I was a single mom, you know, I was pushed out of a home when I got separated and I had to leave with my four kids. So thank God for good friends, Mm -hmm. because if you don't learn to be friendly to people, you know, you don't know what day that's right, that someone might need to help you up, right. you know. But so, you've come a long way. Yeah, thank God. That's right, thank God. But listen, this thought just dropped in my mind. How about giving that mic to Grace, and I'll get, get there in a second. Through every situation in our lives, we, we will become bitter or better. In every situation, there is a choice. And this lady said to me Friday when I was visiting her neighbor, 
Uh, first of all, man, she blasted me when I got out of the truck. And I, she knew my name. She knows, I guess I passed her here. And she was on her porch and she said, you don't go into her house unless you have a mask on. And I have no problem with that. I didn't realize. I didn't even have, so I went back to the truck. But she, I could tell when I came back out of the house and she met me in the driveway and she was so bitter of everything in life and she just kept spewing it out. And there's a time and a place and the time was just to let her spew because I knew, because she was angered, and I wasn't going to take the bait. And all I had, oh, man, all I had to do was listen, and listening to that in that moment was so in love. By not opening my mouth and just standing there and let her, where is your God? You believe there's a God and my daughter-in-law is dying with cancer? You believe, and just went right down, and I just had to let her vent a little bit. Grace. There was a time when um, our family was going through some stuff, and I won't, you know, get into any of the details, but um, there was um, my um, sister-in-law was, um, I had cut, had cut his off at the time, and um, he was very like distant, and it really took me down um, through the pain. Um, see my family had gone through like what we were exactly had gone through at the time, and um, I was you know kind of mad for a while, but I don't know. I just kept praying. I just I was like God, like just do something um, in my heart, and God opened doors for that, and <laughs> six, six years later, um, my, even though I was going through the pain, I, um, I never gave up. That's right. Um, I kept hoping that she would come back, and right now, she um, is, things are getting so better now, um, of being um, things are getting so better, like, to the point where, um, she finally, they lived in Fairmont, and then now, they actually, um, thank God, um, moved down to the house that, um, they used to live in, right next to us. That's good. And I Amen. never gave up. That's right, that never hope. gave up. Give God a great hand. Can we do that? Never gave up. There's a message right there, amen. Um. We don't always know where the harvest will come from, but the harvest will come. Do you hear me? Don't, get, don't give up, as Grace just said. We don't know where the harvest is going to come from, but the harvest will come. Amen? So here's something that we set ourselves up for hurt. We set ourselves up for offense. And we'll ask quickly, what do you think one of the biggest ways that we set ourselves up for hurt and set ourselves up for offense? Anybody? What? Great expectation. I can stop right there. That's what's on my notes. Great expectation. When you expect something of someone, and I'll use myself for an example when I tell people, a lot of times. 
just because I'm there on Sundays. Don't lift me up. Don't put great expectations on Pastor Kerry, on, on me, or anyone else because we're, we're, we're still in the flesh. Great expectations. When you have great expectation for your spouse, whatever, don't put it too high. And this just came to me. I believe we're living in a time where we've put the expectation maybe too low. In a lot of our leaders' lives, pastors, politicians, teachers, Bill Clinton and many years ago, what he went through, and I believe I'm, I'm right. You can correct me if I'm wrong, and I will admit it. But he said, what I do in my own personal life pretty much does not affect what I do as a president. Well, let me tell you something, it does. And we have lowered the expectations of pastors, but let's also not put it too high. Teachers, leaders, and we have, we've lowered the bar for everything. But the bar is still the word of God. That's the bar, okay? So let's be careful of how we expect. The more we expect, the greater potential of offense will come. Amen? Amen. Yes. So hold on. Let's get her mic. I, I like to try and practice not to expect anything, say, from him that I can't give the, the same. Right, right. If you, can't, if you can't reach that level yourself, don't expect your spouse to. Right, right. Proverbs 18 and 19. Listen to this. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. I don't, I don't want to come out here on Sunday morning and browbeat people. I don't, I don't want to. If I'm going to offend you, how am I going to reach you? That's the word of God. I believe I can say almost anything I need to say if it's wrapped in love. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's not my job to convict. It's not my job to beat someone. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. I said just the other day in the membership class, no, I don't think it was the membership. I, I don't know where I said it. In the last week, I, I, I shared it. It's not my job to convince somebody to be a tither. It's not my job to convince them it's not my job to shame them. It's not my job to shove them in that direction. It's my job to share the word of God. And then it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict them. And then it's the individual's job to respond. But if I would come out and try it the other way, I've taken the bait. There's a lot of different ways we can take the bait. Do you hear what I'm saying? An offended brother or sister is harder to win than a fortified city. So when we're offended, we, we talked last week, what do we construct? What do we raise up? Walls. Walls, right? Listen to what I read 
Love does not seek its own, but hurt people become more and more self-seeking and self-contained. You remember what I said last week? More interested in ourselves than somebody else. In this climate, the love of God waxes cold. A natural example of this is the two, listen to this, is the two seas in the Holy Land. And we've been there, some of us. The Sea of Galilee freely receives and gives out water. Comes in and it goes out. It has an abundance of life. Everything's growing. Nurturing many different kinds of fish and plants. Now listen, the water of the Sea of Galilee is carried by way of the Jordan River to the Dead Sea. We've been there. We stayed in the hotel right there, remember? And we seen people out there floating and we all had to go down and try it. But the Dead Sea only takes water in and does not give it out. You see the difference? There are no living plants, no living fish in it. The living waters from the Sea of Galilee become dead when mixed with the hoarded waters of the Dead Sea. Life cannot be sustained if held on to. It must be given freely. Is there anyone in this room not been forgiven of much? Huh? Then we have got to forgive much. Amen? Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. Can we do that? So the, the Bible explains this as strongholds, these areas in our lives, strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Offended people, offended people will always find a scripture that will defend them in their wrongdoing. But if you look at that scripture, they've interpreted it wrong. How many heard people say when they was mad? Well, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Huh? Totally off base. For reference only in 1 Corinthians, write this down, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and look it up. The knowledge of God's word without love is, is a destructive force. It puffs up with pride and legalism. Pride and legalism. So this causes us, when that offense comes, to justify ourselves instead of repent of ourselves, of our sins. When you're mad, you'd rather justify it. Am I right? Anybody in the house? Courtney, would you rather justify it when you was mad? David, is, is she telling the truth? Don't be afraid of her, David. I'm stirring the pot, right? Amen. Pastor Curry, would you come back to the piano? We said 7.15. We're going to try. Let me close. Let me wind down here a little bit. So what else do we learn in this scripture? Jesus warns us of false prophets. Immediately after his statement, when he said many will be offended, then he speaks about false prophets. 
Matthew 24 and 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. I think this is important. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Who are the many they will deceive? Somebody tell me. Anybody know? Shout it out loud. The believers. The answer is, it's not just the believers. The offended whose love has waxed cold. Remember earlier? All of us in here at the same time, our love hasn't waxed cold. You can say all the right things. You can clap on beat on Sunday morning, which I can't. I can't clap on beat. Me and Pastor Aaron was talking about that today. We're terrible. You can come to the house of God every time the door is open. You can be baptized and have your name on the roll and your heart be wax cold. What a terrible way to live a life. False prophets. What does Jesus call the false prophets? Does anybody know? What do he call? Yes. Called him a wolf in sheep's clothing. Let me read it to you in Matthew 7 and 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, inwardly, they are raving wolves. They are self-seeking individuals. On the appearance on the outside, they look like a sheep, but on the inside, there is a wolf. I sat in my office, I think it was yesterday, and I laughed thinking back about in 28 years how many times people have come and, and they seemed, you know, right out the gate so, uh, so spiritual. And then you find out they're a salesman of this or they're a salesman of that. And they know there's a large congregation. And within a couple of weeks, they're calling me and dropping off their business cards and wanting to hold a meeting to show the church the product. I'm being serious that they have to sell. I'm like, no, 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 ain't happening. False prophets are in the pews and they're in the pulpits. How do you identify a false prophet? Does anybody know? Mike? Bad for me. You guys are right on it tonight, aren't you? It's not hard. It's not hard. You judge them by their fruit. Stand with me tonight, would you please? Stand with me tonight. Put your hands together and bless the Lord. Can you do that? So I had written down here, you can identify a false prophet by their fruits, not by their teaching, and not by their prophecy. We went to a volleyball game last week. We were playing Liberty. I forget who the other team was. I think Elkins. And one of the players on my daughter's team, her mother looked at me and she said, we will beat Liberty tonight, but we will not beat Elkins. I said, okay. I looked at her and I said, well, you're gonna say, well, preacher, you ain't got no faith. But I looked at her and I said, Liberty's going to beat us tonight. And Elkins is going to beat us tonight. My daughter wasn't around when I said that. Don't you dare tell her. 
So when you're doing a tri-match, there's three teams there. Instead of playing the best of five, you play the best of three. Liberty beat us the first two right out the gate. So I told her, she was keeping book on the other side. I told her husband to give her a message. He said, what is that? I said, you tell her that I said she is a false prophet. <laughs> you can judge somebody by their fruit is the best way. Amen. Don't let your love wax cold. Because you know who's going to hurt the most? You are. You're going to miss the blessings of God. Put fires out. Don't add fuel to the fire. I hope this works tonight. <laughs> Steve assured me it would. This is, this is a trap. I said traps to be effective. Last week, they got to be hidden. That's what the devil does. He masquerades himself as light. It's got to be hidden. And there's got to be bait. And most of the time, the offense will come and you don't see it. And you take the bait. And when you take the bait, help me, Jesus. Good job. Good job. Good job. When you take the bait, you're trapped. And not only are you trapped, the people around you become trapped. Because you're miserable, they become miserable. And you don't even know it a lot of times. You live through life and don't even realize what has trapped you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Anybody tonight, just be honest. Anybody tonight, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do that. Anybody feel like you've taken the bait somewhere along the journey and, and tonight you feel trapped? My goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. My goodness. Come to the, I didn't even have to ask people. People are coming, come to the altar. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? give it to the Lord. We, we come tonight for help. We come tonight to learn. If someone's blocking you, don't, don't be embarrassed. Just ask them, say, excuse me, I need to go. If you feel the Lord tugging at you, go. If for some reason you're trying to hold back, it's, it's, it's the enemy. He, he don't want you to. He wants you to stay trapped. You say, well, Pastor, I can pray right where I am. I understand that. Yes, you can. But there is something about taking a step that'll help deliver you and set you free. Has your mind struggled with this offense, with this pain, with this hurt? I love giving actual personal illustrations, but I, and I always ask, I, I walk back and ask Nancy back there, and uh, her husband was murdered in front of her just in the last few years um, over a property dispute and she has been hurt, and rightfully so. But she had a choice to make, to be bitter or to be better. She had a choice, like I shared this morning, to run to the refuge, to the rock, to the shelter, or to run away. She ran into the cleft of the rock. This morning when she walked out of here, 
She said, Pastor, would you do a wedding before long? That's the kind of God has replaced, never, excuse me, never replaced, never replaced, but has brought a man into her life that comes with her to church. And that memory will always be there. But when that memory comes, God has a way after time and prayer of taking that pain from you because he'll restore, he'll heal the broken hearted. Every, yeah, go ahead and give God a hand clap. Of every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know your hearts here tonight. Is there anyone here this evening that does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Slip up your hand. Would you do that? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. The Bait of Satan podcast series can be found on Facebook and YouTube, or you can download it on the go from any major podcast platform. Make sure to like, to share, to subscribe, and tell your friends and family about the Jewel City Podcast.